Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our great platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. And Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Today, we're visiting the great state of Washington and an old friend, Lisa McCullough. Lisa is a certified master athletic administrator. She's currently the assistant athletic director at the Bush School in Seattle, but she's got quite a background as an athlete, as a coach, uh, as an international school uh, administrator. So uh, we're excited to have you on the show. Lisa, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, as you know, it's uh, a busy time for ADs as we're, uh, you know, charging into the sp spring seasons. So let's get started. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, where you went to school, and uh, uh, maybe a little bit about your travels around the world that brought you to the Bush School. Well, it's a very extensive story, as you know, Jake. Um, and in fact, I just wrote a little essay on it. Uh, so I've got some little notes. But anyway, um, grew up in Western Pennsylvania, in and around Pittsburgh. Um, big Steelers fan, ice hockey, Penguins, Pirates. Um, grew up watching all of that. Um, went to the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, graduated with my bachelor's in education for physical education. Uh, did some teaching in and around the area, and then um, got married, had a couple of kids, and got sent off to Germany um, in 1994 for my uh, husband's job, and took a little sabbatical, uh, learned German, so fluent, fairly fluent in German, uh, spent three years there, came back with another little baby, um, spent some time in Michigan, uh, just kind of substituting and uh, being a mom. Came back to Pittsburgh after three years and did kind of the same thing. A lot of substituting, um, did a long-term stint as um, a German teacher, uh, which was interesting. And then we were off again, back to Germany uh, in 2003. Uh, the kids were older. We ended up in Dusseldorf uh, where the international school is. And um, being a stay-at-home mom, expat wife, uh, trying to find things to do, I became a volunteer at the international school in their sports department, uh, specifically, uh, specifically for their um, sports club to start with. Um, it was attached and sponsored solely by the school. Uh, and they played local teams. Uh, 
and then um, kind of just developed into um, a part-time position. I was at one time their booster club president, so I was very involved in that. Um, and then I was asked to come on um, part-time as an athletic administrator, um, assistant, and then it kind of just developed. We built a new gym, and in the process of doing that, uh, we had to set up temporary um, housing, so to speak, for our gym um, at our soccer fields, which was about two kilometers away. And we had to bus our kids from the main campus to the gym. And so I was brought on board as full-time. I rode the bus with the kids, um, but then I just stayed on as the full-time athletic administrative assistant. Um, in, in and around 2015, our AD kind of decided he was going to move on and the position opened up and as we all do, we all apply for those open positions. But I came to find out you needed a master's degree, um, which I didn't have at the time. So I went in search of a master's degree, uh, found myself at Ohio University in their well-developed, highly esteemed uh, program. And I did two years there, graduated with honors in 2018. Um, at that time, then I was looking for another kind of step up. And I got in touch with, well, I got in touch, he got in touch with me, an old friend from, from Germany. He was my first AD there. Um, and I was actually uh, one of his booster club parents. And he contacted me, he had an open position as the assistant here at the Bush School, interviewed with them and found myself moving back to the States. And here I've been for three years. Wow, what a, uh, what a whirlwind of experiences. Uh, I mean, again, across the board, uh, including that uh, very important uh, booster uh, parent organization. Uh, talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, the, the differences uh, that an international school athletic director deals with uh, that we don't see here domestically. And, you know, maybe the, the opposite of that. What are some things here in the States that uh, just don't happen in the international school setting? Well, in the international school setting, um, with our interscholastic sports, um, the differences are we do a lot of kind of weekend tournaments where you will either host or go to another international school, which means you're crossing borders, taking bus rides of four to five hours, um, and then you stay overnight. Um, so you'll play games um, on a Friday afternoon, evening, go home with... Um, your guest, your host um, family uh, as a student. And, um, and then you come back the next morning and play another round of games. And then you're on the bus back to your um, home country, uh, home city. Um, we also have multi-level, multi-gender um, sports tournaments that go on um, at the end of each season where we would host up to um, eight schools, um, boys and girls. Uh, it could be JV and varsity as well. So you're run actually running four tournaments at the same time if you're hosting. Um, and uh, so it can get complicated homestays, transportation. Um, as far as the booster club is concerned, a lot of meals prepared, a lot of uh, concession stands. Um, ordering, you know, supplies and knowing that how much you need 
uh, hopefully get you get the number right and you don't have to go out and purchase more or you don't ha have a lot of leftovers so that need to be stored. Yeah, I've heard about uh, talking to a couple of international ADs over the years, uh, those tournaments, uh, just the logistical planning for the number of teams, as you mentioned, sometimes it's it's varsity and JV, frequently it's, it's boys and girls teams, and just the fans, as you said, the concessions, you know, boy, uh, and that's the norm, that's not the exception. So right. uh, what a great, uh, you know, training ground battlefield <laughs> to, uh, to uh, become an athletic director. Uh, Lisa, in our profession, we always talk about the importance of leadership and particularly mentorship. So uh, I'm curious, who were some of your mentors growing up? Maybe teachers or coaches that you had, or maybe even people that you worked with or, or worked for. Uh, the expression I like to use is, I still hear those voices in my head. So uh, whose voice do you still hear? Um, well, I mean, my parents are great role models just as a work, work ethic. Um, and um, just being uh, there for support and, you know, cheering me on as, as I went through my career and life. Um, more recently, my mentors, um, great friend of mine, my, one of my first ADs at Dusseldorf, uh, Frank Tishan, um, who happens to be right now the head of school there. Um, so he's kind of developed, he left and went to U.S. soccer here in the States, and then he went back and then became the interim um, head of school and now is the full-on head of school there. So he, he still is a great mentor to me. I reach out to him once a month or so. We check in families and jobs and how everything's going. Um, also a great mentor is my, my AD right now, Joe Ito. Um, again, I wouldn't be here without him. Um, and he's great support, especially, you know, going through the CMAA process. Um, and uh, yeah, right now, those are, those are my, my go-to people. Um, I have a lot of other kind of fringe, but um, those are definitely the, the most important. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And again, it's, I love to hear about it. It's a great reminder for all of us that we didn't get here by ourselves. You know, we had people that were helping us along the way. Um, we mentioned uh, that you are, in fact, a certified master athletic administrator. You went to the Ohio University program, and I think that's one that when you're done, you not only have your master's, you've also met all the qualifications to sit for the CAA exam. So take our listeners through that journey. We've got a lot of younger ADs, and I think it's important for them to understand that journey of getting involved you know, with your state association, with the national association. So just talk a little bit about how that played out and, and maybe share a little nugget about uh, your CMA project. Well, as you mentioned, um, the Ohio University program um, actually works in conjunction um, with the NIAAA and, and their leadership training program. A lot of the things that we do, the courses that we take, um, integrate um, a lot of the leadership training courses and you, you, when you come out, you have, do have enough credits um, to sit for that CAA exam. Um, I found it very helpful. It was very insightful to put theory to practice. So I had a lot of practical um, experience, but not a lot of theoretical. Um, so it really helped you to think working in groups. We worked in small groups and large groups, um, which is true to the scenario that you do 
in your real life. So you don't do this by yourself. You always have someone or someone's helping you out. Um, my CMAA project um, came about uh, recently because of COVID. Um, we ended up doing a virtual interactive uh, athletic celebration in the fall. Um, we did it the week before uh, Thanksgiving. So it was a week long celebration. We had each day had a specific either physical or spirit challenge um, that the community could interact with and send photos or um, information to us on our Twitter or Instagram account through email. Um, and it all culminated in a Friday program that we did um, in our gymnasium uh, in conjunction with our um, IT team who set up a video um, production studio, basically. Uh, we did a, a Bush uh, version of Jeopardy. So everything in and around Bush was um, geared to that Jeopardy um, kind of layout and board. And we found a on, great online um, resource to do the board. Um, and it was a lot of fun. We had a socially distanced audience of our third grade class. Um, but what, as I did it, I, I kind of gathered all the information. Um, it went, went great. We actually did a mass mailing. We mailed out um, popcorn, microwave popcorn, um, a small sticker sheet and a postcard reminding everybody of what each day was. Um, so it was great fun. At the end, I did a survey. So I put together a PowerPoint presentation for the project for, for my oral presentation. Um, and I did that in, presented in February to the panel from the um, certification committee. And, and again, a couple of things uh, for our listeners. You know, the project that Lisa just described is the best kind of project. It was something that she felt uh, passionate about it was at her own school, you know, she had that vision. And then she basically documented and told that story. You don't have to go out and come up with some kind of, you know, wild uh, theoretical thing. As Lisa mentioned earlier, application, you know, making it practical is good. And then the second thing, I, I'm, uh, I'm uh, mad because uh, I just rolled off of uh, certification committee after about nine years uh, in December. So I didn't get a chance to sit in on that uh, oral panel. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Uh, who are your uh, reviewers? Um, I had uh, Joey Stroy. Right, from South Dakota. Um, I, now I can't remember the other two gentlemen that were on the on the call. And of course, Cheryl uh, Van Paris was right. there. Um, but they were very, very attentive, asked great questions at the end. Um, and I can thank Joey for being, he was my advisor through the process and he was great, uh, very supportive, uh, very insightful with helping me to decide on if I needed to make changes or adjustments, so. No, obviously you were in very good hands. Joey actually, uh, rolled into my position as, uh, as co-vice chair. So uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. And, uh, as I always like to say that CMAA puts you in a very elite group of athletic administrators. Uh, statistically, uh, only about 4% of uh, athletic directors in the United States have earned that title. So well done. Thank you. Um, 
Lisa, one of the things we've tried to do with the podcast uh, these last several months is to share this idea of what we call best practices. Now, you've certainly seen a lot of different programs uh, in your travels, uh, both domestically and internationally. Uh, and for our listeners, if you don't know, the Bush School is uh, one of those uh, independent schools, uh, I humbly say like my school in Tallahassee, that is looked upon as you know one of those schools that does things the right way. So um, Lisa, what are a couple of things that, whether it's at the Bush School or another school that you've seen that you can look at with equal parts uh, pride and humility, and you can say, boy, we do this better than anybody else. What are a couple of best practices that you can share? Um, one of the ones that, that comes to mind right away, and it's one of the things that I try to focus on is communication. Um, we try to communicate, we try to over-communicate with our community, with our parents, with our students. Um, we and sometimes they, they do feel like they're bombarded by us, but we do put the information out there um, by email. We put it on our website. We put it on our um, internal portal where everybody gets the information, parents and students alike, faculty. Um, but that is one of the best practices that I can say is just communicate, communicate um, as often and as early as possible when things are changed, um, when you're making updates, uh, especially in this COVID time, because it everything, everything is moving. There are so many moving parts and um, with the states changing things on a weekly, daily basis, um, you have to keep up and make sure that everybody understands what is expected, um, what, what the changes are, um and yeah that's those are my biggest things you, know, you, you mentioned covid which we're going to get to in just a second but uh again uh you're going to hate me i'm, I'm going to put you on the spot again okay. um that communication is just so important and you used one of my favorite phrases over communicate uh give our listeners an example if you can where that culture of over communication helped prevent what might have been uh, a challenging fire to put out uh, had you not had those systems in place? Uh, how did communication help out? I mean, just as a general, communication helps out. I mean, we have, again, we have so many moving parts with transportation and scheduling. Um, if we had this recently, um, one of our buses we outsource our buses at, at this time because we don't have big enough buses to socially distance. Um, the bus broke down on the way here. They sent a replacement. It was too small. Um, we were going to be running late. So I had we had to reach out not only to our parents, um, but to our opponent who we were uh, traveling to. Um, so when you can over communicate and um, get that information out as quickly as possible, then people are more apt not to come back to you and say, but you didn't tell me, I didn't know. Um, uh, as, and the referees as well, any of the officials to let them know that things are gonna be delayed for a little bit. So those are um, really important um, situations where, where you need that. Or if, or 
we travel on the ferries as well to some of the schools. So if a ferry is running late or you miss the ferry, you know, and the kids are coming back later than usual, the parents are waiting to pick them up. You need to communicate. So communication needs to come from the athletic department as well as from the coach. And obviously the players will contact their parents as well, but it, it, ha it should come from the top down um, so that the parents know that we are in the loop and, and know what's going on. Right. No, again, that's exactly what I was looking for. Those examples that we deal with every single day that, uh, hey, when there's a hiccup, you need to communicate that to uh, the stakeholders. Mm -hmm. For our listeners, we're recording this episode on March 24th. So we're just a little bit past that one year anniversary of our uh, good friend COVID. So Lisa, we've been uh, hearing how athletic directors uh, responded you know, a, a year ago and again this fall and now we're into the spring. Um, and we'd like to hear what's going on in the state of Washington as well as at your school. Uh, and not just with return to play athletics, but also return to school. Um, you know, what's going on uh, regarding COVID right now? Well, in the state of Washington, it's kind of a mishmash depending on what type of school you are. Some of the public schools are still not back in um, in-person school, they're still doing remote school. Some of the more private independent schools such as Bush um, are on a hybrid um, plan. Uh, we have our lower school kids uh, in class five days a week. Um, our upper school, our nine through 12, are on every other week, but not all at the same time. So this week they're on campus. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, our ninth and 11th graders are on campus. On Wednesday and Thursday, our uh, 10th and 12th graders are on campus. And Friday, they have an asynchronous day, which means it's just a work day for them to get caught up with homework and stuff. So when they're not on campus, then they're all remote. And the, when the upper school's on campus, the middle school is fully remote and vice versa. Um, as far as sports, um, we are just finishing up our season one, which is our fall sports. Um, we're in seven week uh, seasons. We started in late February and we're gonna be finishing up here next week with our uh, league playoffs. Uh, and then at the same time as the playoffs, season two, our spring sports will start and they'll go seven weeks until the week of May 10th, when there'll be an overlap with our winter sports, um, which is our basketball. And we did that uh, specifically because we weren't sure with basketball being a high risk indoor sport, um, whether we were gonna hit that phase for them to be able to participate and play. Um, and it looks like we will be able to. Uh, we haven't ha been able to have any fans at our indoor games, uh, but we are allowed outdoor games, uh, especially in public uh, places to have small socially distanced uh, crowds. When you, um, when you were able to resume sports, you know, obviously much, much later in the calendar, but for your season one fall sports, um, what was the, um, you know, the atmosphere like with the kids and the coaches and even the parents, you know, uh, how was that all received when it finally came back? Um, they were happy to be back, you know, and it's, it's funny because they come back and we have got to go through all these protocols. We've, we've got to do temperature check and health questions, screening, um, and they're all wearing masks. So you really can't see their faces. You can see their eyes. 
and you know that they're they're excited to be there and to be involved. Um, we get lots of <clears throat> communication from parents that they're so happy that the kids are back doing something and it's changed their attitudes at home and with their studies. Uh, so uh, it's, it's just a great, great thing to get them back into the courts and the playing fields and outdoor running cross country and whatever. Um, to get that physical activity so that they can burn off that stress that they're feeling from all this remote um, schooling and time on Zoom. Yeah, I mean, I just can't even imagine that. I remember what it was like a year ago in our school, you know, where we lost spring sports entirely. But, mm -hmm. you know, Florida, we were able to start pretty much uh, on schedule. We delayed a little bit. But as I told you uh, before the show, uh, you know, we're uh, we've wrapped up uh, winter sports and we're, you know, probably about halfway or more through spring and, uh, you know, looking at uh, state playoffs next week or next month, excuse me. So, uh, I, again, uh, you know, all the best as, you know, you guys continue to have your sports year unfold uh, over the space of about, uh, what, about 20 weeks or so. Yeah. yeah. Lisa, another question we've been asking the athletic directors uh, revolves around this idea of social awareness and social justice, if you will. And my question has been this, what are some things that we can do as athletic administrators? What are some things that we can do better uh, in, uh, with our kids, our coaches, our community? Uh, how can we do a better job uh, being socially aware? I think just um, listening and, and, you know, people want to be heard, you know, make sure that you're researching, you know, what's going on in your community. Um, our kids are very uh, socially aware. They know, obviously we live in Seattle, we work in Seattle um, and it was a big um, concentration of things that were going on in the summer. Um, so we're, we're quite well aware of that here uh, with the social justice. Um, our students have uh, groups or clubs that they get together in and talk about it. Uh, we do a lot of uh, internally with our coaches and our faculty and staff, a lot of diversity training, um, diversity and equity training. So um, we look at those day-to-day um, -day issues of, you know, social justice and you know, perception and things like that. Uh, well, that's great to hear that you've got the uh, student organizations uh, because the student voice is so important in all of this. Lisa, this has been great. Um, I mean, finally, you know, uh, getting to talk with you, you know, we've been in touch with each other, you know, through, you know, various online platforms, but uh, uh, it was great seeing you and talking with you and, uh, and hearing about your school, uh, but we're not done yet. Uh, before we go into our final uh, segment, the 80s Toolbox, I've got to ask you, um, you know, again, on, you podcast listeners, you can't see this, but when you watch this Zoom on YouTube in a couple of weeks, uh, you'll be able to see over uh, Lisa's right shoulder. Uh, is that a mascot of some kind on your bulletin board? Can you tell me about that? Yeah, that's our, that's our mascot, Blaze. Um, he is... Um, that's a cutout that we, uh, I think we purchased or donated money for him to be a um, 
member of the audience at the Mariners games in the summer. Uh, so he had a seat at the Mariners games. And as you know, um, professional sports obviously haven't had a lot of spectators either. Um, and they would put these cutouts in the stadium chairs. And so Blaze had the honor of uh, attending several Mariners games. And now he's come back home and he resides on my bulletin board. No, that is very cool. Okay. Well, um, as I said, our final segment is what we call the new athletic director's toolbox. And what I'm going to do right now is challenge you to send out a brand new AD on their very first job. But I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Lisa McCulloch's athletic director toolbox? Oh, three items. Are we talking about skills? It's whatever three things you feel are the most important. Okay, so my three things. Um, communication, time management, and organization. So those are my three, my three tools. Great minds think alike. Uh, I, I think those would be at the top of my list as well. Okay. Lisa, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, continued uh, success and uh, good luck as your seasons unfold. Thank you so much, Jake. Thanks for having me. Uh, it was great. To our listeners, uh, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, thanks for listening today. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD.